I always say I have the best job in the world. I get to help women unlock their limitless potential so they can have it all. If your mind is saying you can't have it all, that's fear running the show. I'm here to tell you the only thing between you and holistic success is you. The doors to Limitless Warrior are officially open. Join Limitless Warrior. It's time to dig deep and shine bright. It's time to permanently break up with fear. If you want all the holistic success you've been dreaming of, join us. It's a 12-week program, once a week, on a Zoom for 90 minutes. Get off that hamster wheel and be the limitless woman you know you are inside. The link to save your spot is limitless-warrior.com. Join us. Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. My guest today is an expert in diversity, equity, and inclusion, largely because she had to become the change she wanted to see. Even in the most diverse institutions, even public institutions, racism is still rampant. Is education the key? Is affirmative action necessary? How do we address discrimination today? Well, today we're getting practical tips on how to get into action to lead to more diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let's get into it, but first, there's a reason I joined the She Angels Foundation. She Angels gives grants to female-founded nonprofit organizations that provide mentorship, funding, and resources to a diverse portfolio of women and girls' causes. Together, we can make an exponentially bigger impact, enabling greater diversity and creating a significant and collaborative philanthropic force. Become a part of our movement by joining the She Angels Foundation's Collective Giving Membership. Your membership is an annual fully tax-deductible contribution. Just go to sheangelsfoundation.org. That's sheangelsfoundation.org. Give back to women. All right, everybody, today on the show, Lakeisha Angelique. Lakeisha believes that discrimination happens not because of a lack of empathy, but a lack of education. As a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, she has spent over two decades helping entrepreneurs and business leaders to redefine their authority into genuine allyship. Her workshops, presentations, and special programs have touched the lives of thousands of people across the globe, from U.S. to Germany to Afghanistan. She has spent 22 years working in the U.S. Army, one of the most diverse organizations in the world. With master's degrees in both criminal justice and psychology, along with diversity management certificate from Cornell, Lakeisha has a powerful understanding of both of the work that needs to be done around diversity, equity, inclusion, and of how our brains function, helping her to support leaders and entrepreneurs and shifting their perspective. She knows that by embracing DEI, 
we grow and impact revenue and fulfill our commitment to truly changing the world. So we're going to go there today, Lakeisha. God bless yes. us. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Every time I hear all of them, I'm like, is that about me? <laughs> Little old People me. <laughs> tell me this. They're like, can you follow me around and just do the intro? Because it just like, before I walk in a room, could you just lay it out for me? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> So I'm so excited. I, I have to thank our friend Ashley for introducing, yes. giving her a little shout out for uh, introducing us. Because I went to her and I said, what, what warrior women do you have for me? Just give me some people. And <laughs> we're top of the list. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. And I love her so much. Yeah, she's wonderful. Brilliant. So here we go. Part of your warrior woman journey began at a very young age when you became a mother while still a teenager at the age of 16. Ooh, that just like... To, makes me take a damn deep breath right there, Lakeisha. Yes. What were you feeling and experiencing during that time? And how has it shaped the woman that you are today? I think becoming a mom at such an early age really redefined uh, my entire life. Like when people ask me, like, what do you regret in life? And what would you go back and change if you can go back and change anything? It's never that. Because I believe that my son, left him to death, gave me the direction that I needed at an early age. Like I just knew that I had to do something to make sure that this little person was taken care of and that he would not want for anything. I didn't, I, even though I had this village, which I think also really made it easy for me to make those decisions. Like I was surrounded by community. My parents, everybody came around me and really supported me during that time. I think that made a huge difference on how it defined me because it could have gone really in a different direction. You know, you hear statistics of teenage moms not graduating from high school and not going on to do uh, bigger things. And I was a complete opposite. Like I just, it, it drove me to excellence, honestly. A hundred percent. And then <laughs> with that, you join the army at the age of 17. I mean, talk about a person that is not doing the normal high school thing. I just want to say, I don't, I don't even want to discuss what I was doing at 16 and 17, because it definitely wasn't anything as high-minded as this, let me say. But you joined the Army at 17, and you served for 22 years. So how did that work? Because you are the queen of DEI. You have, I, by the way, I went all over your damn website, because that's what I love to do. <laughs> I was fishing around, and you have such great resources. Like, Thank I love you. Thank you. Books, like, everything you had, I was like, ooh. So we, I definitely want you to talk about that later. Yes, I love yes. a good resource, like nobody. But how did that, you joined the Army, it's, I'm talking about excellence, you joined the Army at 17, you served for 22 years. How did that lead to the work you're doing now in DEI? Growing up in a military family and then joining the Army really gave me a different perspective, right? So growing up as a military family, on base, we're kind of this little city within a city, right? We're around all these diverse people. There's people from all over the world just coming together to serve the, the nation, right? And I just loved it. We went to Germany. I grew up most of my life in Germany. I was born in Germany. So I joined the army. I had this baby and I was like, what am I going to do to take care of him? I know it. I'll join the army. It, it did good for my family. I'll join the army. And that's when I got a smack of reality in my first dose of real racism, sexism, sexual harassment, all of the things that we see when people come together from different backgrounds, different socialization processes. And I was just like stunned. So I think what made me steer to the diversity was being the person that I needed to see when I first joined. So I didn't see a lot of Black women who were high-ranking officers. And I didn't understand why. So how do I become that 
And I just set out. I said, well, I was like, well, I, I, I can do that. You know, the, the white man is, is not the only one that can do this. It's got to be a way, right? Um, so I just became that mentor to others. I, I would always give out, like you said, I have a lot of resources on my website. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of giving giving the keys to the palace, like not withholding any information. If I can figure it out, I want the next person to be able to figure it out. So that's how I landed. I was human resources, the human part. Of course, I take dear to my heart, love dealing with people. And I really just believe that the lack of education, like people just don't know, like you, you just don't know what you don't know. And once you're educated, um, and then if you make a decision after you're educated, then I can say, you know, a different, something different. But getting that initial education is so key. So key. Yeah. Up until then, what was your experience with racism or diversity or sexism? Because like, you kind of act like you were kind of gobsmacked, right? Like you, yeah. you came into the military, you were like, oh, all these people don't give a shit and they're just going to treat me like however. I mean, it is a very diverse organization. That doesn't mean they have all the education that backs it up that would make them how to understand all the diversity in their organization. So. Up until that point, have you had you kind of faced any racism or sexism? I mean, I'm sure you had, but like probably not on that level. Not on that level. And and I would say like, um, I remember in between stations, we went back to our hometown to stay with my grandmother who lives in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is mostly um, Black Americans in that area, right? So I went to kindergarten and there was only one white girl in my class. And I just thought it was so odd that everybody was black and there was only one white girl. And I was just like, how did you get here? Like, I just had so many questions. <laughs> how did you get here? I had so many questions for her. Um, and just, I, and I felt empathy, I guess, for her because she was different than everybody else. And then, you know, nobody wanted to play with her because she was different. And, and so I guess really that probably was my first like, oh, races are, there's a thing with race. There's something going on here. Uh, but I really didn't understand and, and know why. And I was just like, I'll play with you. So I was young. Um, but going in the military, that's when I, it really kind of smacked me in the, in the face with, no, we'll hold back you from promotion because we don't like you because of your skin color, because you're a woman, because maybe we think you're gay. Because don't ask, you don't have a child, me. whatever. Right. Let's you just have, put the whole, yep, you have, yeah, all of those things, right? All of those things. Um, and then the sexual harassment, of course, is rampant in the military. And um, so it, it was clear that my appearance played really big into my career when I first joined the military. And was there a specific kind of moment that you can point to or something that you were like, like something that was just, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of things, but was there a specific moment you recall where you were like, son of a bitch, what is going on here? I remember my first, like getting out of basic training in AIT and reporting to my first duty station and my superior looking me dead in my face. And instead of like saying, welcome, this, this is where you work and all this stuff. He looked at me and said that I looked like I would give good head. And I was only 18. I turned 18 in training. So I'm still young and naive and dumb. And I'm just like, did he say what I think he said? And he said exactly what I think he said. Right. Um, so that's when I was like, oh boy, this is going to be, this is going to be a lot different <laughs> than what I'm used to. But yeah, so that type of stuff was just like, well, oh, nice to have you here. We're glad we got, we got some eye candy. You know, that's really all I worked as, as HR. So, you know, they think females work in, in the office when really I just loved human resources 
and ob- objectified to the 10th power uh, working around a mostly male-dominated profession, right? They're, I was surrounded by men all day. And do you think it's changed? Because you were, the, I mean, shit, you stayed for 22 years, Lakeisha. So I if did. it was like straight <laughs> terrible, I mean, first of all, maybe you would stay because maybe it's like, you know what, this is a solid thing. I'm going to let it roll off. I don't know. But it has it improved? Because I feel like I'm still hearing those same stories. Yeah. <laughs> so I think... I think the awareness in the process of reporting has improved, but it still happens, right? We still have those bad apples, as they say. We still have those people who um, just won't follow the rules and are still on the old system and don't understand that it's it's not the good old boy system anymore. So it still does happen. I mean, you can look at the statistics and look up in the, in the military and see how many you know five-star generals we have that are of color, and it's very low, right? And even with the affirmative action, ruling that just came out. Did you see they made an exception for military schools? Oh, I did not. They made the one exception, which really grinds my gears because if you're saying that it's not needed or it's discriminatory to have affirmative action in colleges, but then you give it to the military exemption because you know that we need to have a force that's diverse it doesn't sit and, right. And it's across the board necessary right, right. in every domain. So that's ridiculous. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we're, I mean, the military is made up of the citizens of uh, the United States, right? So it, it's a, a fraction, a representation of a fraction of, of the country. So you will, of course, still see that. But I would like to see them get better in, you know, taking action holding people accountable, punishments, taking away um, pensions and all of that stuff for people who violate um, the, the rules. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you have an educational background in both criminal justice and psychology, which is so fascinating. How do you use those things, those fields of study to approach your DEI work? Well, I first started with the criminal justice, right? Because I just love the law, the legal system and everything. And of course, me being a human-centered person, I veer to the side of, you know, why people commit crimes and being low poverty and not having access to the proper things that make you sometimes commit crimes. I think that's always an indicator of crime. There's always exceptions to, to everything. But just looking at, you know, having theories that really don't work in today's policing, like the the broken window theory saying, you know, community policing, all of those things were just very interesting to me. I always thought I would be a police officer or a um, probations officer. That's where I thought I was going to go. Probations and paroles was kind of my thing. And then HR landed in my lap somehow. I still don't know (laughs) how that happened. And then getting into just dealing with people, mentorship, coaching um, women, uh, psychology, of course, became an interest in just how the mind works. and, And that's where I drew the connection between adding empathy back into the education process and meeting people where they are in their education process. Like everybody's not in the same place of understanding when it comes down to even understanding, say we just talked about affirmative action, you know, like even having those simple conversations because somebody is drawing off of personal experience and background and personal experience. And if you grow up in such different worlds, Akisha, and I have no I mean, in my world, like what, I don't have a problem. Like I can get a job. I can do whatever the hell I want. Right. I'm a white woman. Like what's my problem. Right. right? Whole different experience when you're like, no, Liz, people are walking up to me and saying these things to my face. Like they don't even care. They're, they're not even trying to hide it, you know? Right. And and definitely I've had, you know, moments of sexism and all the things, but I mean, it's a whole nother level when you're, you have several ways that people get to play with you. Right. And the diversity and, uh, and, and racism and all, and all the things. So yes, I, I hear you on that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I even had to like when I first started out in like moving from the military into the corporate space, I changed I had to change my name to my middle name. So that's why my business is named Lakeisha Angelique, because I- I'm now proudly like my name is Lakeisha, because Lakeisha is one of the most discriminated against names when it comes to resumes. There's a study. <laughs> really? Lakeisha. Um, wow. for, for females, yes, is one of the most discriminated names. It just, and there's people, unfortunately, bad HR reps out there that you'll see that'll say if they can't pronounce the name, if it's, if their name looks like they won't speak English well, they don't even look at those resumes. So it's an unfortunate thing that actually does happen. It took me a long time to be okay with my name. I even asked my mom, like, why in the world would you name me this? <laughs> I have a whole episode on my on my podcast about my name and how I got it because I was just like, why would you name me this? My mom's like, this is not my fault. The name was not that when I named you in the 80s. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You need the freedom to name your kid whatever right, right. you want. And nobody should be over there going, oh, you know what? I'm going to just pass that one right over because right. I know I know all the Lakeishas. And so if no Elon to Musk that. If can use letters and alphabet description things for names, then my name Lakeisha should be okay. <laughs> I mean, 100%. I mean, there's, the, Hollywood, the Hollywood people have got it so, they're so off, Lakeisha, you, you're yes. doing fine. Let me just yeah. What strategies can we adopt to shift our perspective? Like I, I'm, I, I always want like real, actionable things, tangible things, because I think it's really easy for somebody to just, you know, be a white person and listen to this podcast and be like, "Cool, I listened to it. Check the box." Give me some actual things. What does it look like in real time when you're talking about genuine allyship? Yeah. So one of the things that I like to do is talk about having an inclusive lifestyle and what that looks like. Right. So you can I think people get really overwhelmed with how to be a good ally and think they need the T-shirts and the marches and all of those really big, loud things. But really starting with the small things like looking at what you buy every day and switching that to minority owned businesses. Right. Starting with that and then starting to read like I have a book club as well. So in our book club, we started with like the foundation this year. And it's all about learning the history of everything that we've kind of been through to get us here. Um, And then next year, we'll go into like more uh, strategies on how to start legislation and all of those other things that lead to change, right? So getting that basis of of education, which we know is being suppressed right now, I think is key. So understanding how we got here is really important. And then moving on and slowly grasping some of the stuff, because if we, if you give through a fire hose, uh, you're willing to give, you're going to just be like, this is too much. It's a lot, right? And it's, it's hard stuff. So it's hard stuff to look at. It's sometimes hard stuff to see or hear um, and even talk about, especially when we're, you're talking to people who may have opposing ideas as you. So I think really starting small with looking in your area and local, being local and minority owned and, and all of those things will get you really to thinking, okay, this was easy. Now, what step can I take next to do that? And when, when we talk about doing it in corporate, it, it just looks as simple as speaking up. You know, if you if someone's being talked over, just interrupting, like, hey, um, I think Lakeisha was actually speaking greatly appreciative when when people call when you see someone. Out. Yep, calling it out. Yep, calling people in as well. Like, hey, I, and then having the conversation after me, like, I didn't want to be rude, but Lakeisha was talking and you were kind of talking over her. I don't know if you noticed uh, that you were talking over her, but you were. You want to make sure that everybody is able to have their voices heard. Having those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I never forget my friend uh, Natasha Hemingway came on and this was like right after George Floyd. And she was telling 
about a story about when she was a, a little girl, she was driving through her, like a, her hometown square and they were having a KKK march and her mom was like, get down. And she just described them like, like terrifying, like absolutely terrifying, traumatizing that these people are marching like in her little town square and how unsafe she felt. And she was telling me, she was like, you know, cause I said, well, you know, back in that time, you know, it was, everybody was so just up in arms and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what took you so long? This has been happening a long time. Glad you just like got your eyes open with George Floyd, but like, welcome to our party. We've been here right. a long time. But I asked her like, what is really something? And she's an entrepreneur. I said, what is something that would be really useful? Like what, what is useful? And she said, you know, let me in the room. Like sometimes I don't know the rooms you're in. Let me in the room. Like I don't have a connection in that room. So let me in the room. Well, I'll handle it from there. I'm not asking for a handout. But like sometimes I don't even know where the room is. Like can right. you let me in the room? And so I never forgot that because I thought that's what I do now. Now I'm like, okay, like when I'm planning something or I'm interviewing somebody or I, I'm always, like even planning the podcast, I'm always looking. I'm looking, oh, too many white people. <laughs> too many white people. <laughs> Yeah, like this is not going to work. You know, like I, I'm really cognizant because like I want to hear other voices. I want right. to hear other stories. I want to be and I want to interact with people and learn what I don't know. I mean, you know, a lot of times I have white people on my podcast and, you know, it's like this. I know the story already. Like this right. is like a story I know. So I want to hear a different story sometimes. And right. I think it's being also curious about like, well, what could I what can I gain for like, what kind of perspective can I gain? Right. Like from someone that has a completely different experience in me. And the answer yeah. is a huge perspective. Yes. Huge. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I talk about this a lot about, um, you know, the algorithm and people swear that it doesn't, um, have this suppression thing and that black creators are not really suppressed what, when they are like, I can have, I can do a post. I just did a blog about AI and the biases that are within AI and if it's, you know, shared on my page, a couple of likes, a couple of comments, but if th some of the people in my community, they share it on their page, it gets way more visibility. And that's what I tell people, like, what can I do that simple? Share Black and Brown Creators posts, you know, share their offerings, share anything that they have to say so their voices are heard, which is just the same as being in the room. I rarely do. I'm horrible at marketing myself, honestly, because I have so many referrals from people and they'll be like, hey, so-and-so, and I'll have to like get that memory Rolodex going and like, who is that again? Because that that's exactly the power of getting into these circles that you not, wouldn't even know existed if someone else hadn't spoke your name in a room that you weren't in. So that's definitely a way to be an ally. I love that. Okay. Well, amplification. I love that. Amplification. Yes. What is the biggest misconception about DEI work? Because I got to tell you, I've had, I had, I had uh, one of my favorite guests on, oh my God, she, she, she's calls herself the mouth from the South. <laughs> um, of course, her name is escaping me because I can't remember anyone's name anymore. But anyway, she's one of the most popular podcasts I had, The Mouth from the South. Uh, and she is in DEI. And she was like at a bank for many years. And they, But the thing that drove her crazy is that she was in it for like 20 years, DEI, right? But she couldn't really get the needle to move because they just were kind of like, you're the face of yeah. our D, we have DEI, quotey, quotey. We, ha we have it, yay us. And like, they really didn't want to do anything about it. They just kind of had her as an insurance policy. So if the board of directors came around, they were like, oh, are we doing this? Oh, yes, we have her, she's right here, you know? Uh, and so what what is the misconception about DEI work? Because I think some companies are just like, let me check this damn box, but I don't want to actually do anything about it. 
Right. So I think a misconception is that you can get your ROI back very quickly, like any other product or some other things, right? DEI is very slow work and you, you have to be patient and wait for that ROI to come back out. Like this, again, going back to the affirmative action, the repercussions from that are not going to be seen immediately. It's going to take a while, but then you'll start to see the repercussions all over through through every facet of life, what's going to happen when less um, diverse people start to get into colleges and graduate and go back into the workforce, right? So it's the same thing in reverse. To and to fix that, you have to be willing to go the the long way, right? You can't just start and then be like, "This is too much. It's taking way too long. I'm done. It's clearly not going to work." I think you have to be willing because I, I mean, I've quit a thousand times, honestly, and I come right back because uh, I just can't, right? I know that it takes a special person. Um, to kind of hear the things and see the things that we see in the DEI world um, and still be really passionate about it. Uh, and, and yeah, so that that's my thing is you have to stick with it long term because we just need as many allies as we can. Absolutely. And, and you know what? And I think that's the whole thing right there, too. Like when we're talking about the Supreme Court overruling affirmative action and then you're trying to convince these companies how important this is, it's kind right. of... it's kind of fucking the whole thing up to be dead honest with you, Lakeisha. And I know you know this already, and I know I'm just a white woman telling you, I'm white explaining you this thing, but that that's, what's kind of driving me crazy because like all these things we're doing, you know, the way we're undoing all the abortion, like all the abortion, it's like, we're telling women to be empowered. And then we're telling them they have no idea how to handle their own bodies Uh and that they shouldn't be in charge of their own physical body and whether they should have a child or not, whether they should reproduce. Like we don't trust them to know if they should be having a baby or not. And then, and then we're telling people like, Oh yes, diversity is important. And then we're taking it away. Affirmative act. It's like, we're, we're really upside down. So we are, how have you, how are you dealing with that challenge? Because it's like, it's not like you're not challenged already. Lakeisha, you're already, you're already in the challenge. Okay. But now you just got like a new fun challenge, which is now you, now you got these people who are like, well, Lakeisha, I mean, really, you know, how much do we need to do? Obviously, this isn't a problem because they just took it away. Right. So the good thing is that the the current people entering the the kids entering the workforce, like my son's age, and um, they are very in tune with the government and knowing what's right, what's wrong and what they want. So luckily, we can leverage that population to be like, if you want the best talent, you're going to have to be diverse, regardless of what the government is telling you. You're going to have to be diverse. You're going to have to offer good vacation on top of a, a great work environment. And I need to be able to see me at the top of that organization, right? If I see that I can't make it, I'm not staying. So luckily, we have that type of leverage where it's kind of, you know, the power of social media and TikTok is, is amazing right now. That's the way to get your voice heard. Um, So the companies really rely on those influencers and all of those things to really get their messaging out. And one of the messages, of course, is going to be, this is a great place to work because we have diverse people working inside. We have a diverse employees. So hopefully that message keeps on point and we can get in that way. But that's kind of the story I've been telling, like, you can go ahead and back out on this now. However, you're going to take a dive in your current population, as well as trying to get new talent to come in if they don't think they're going to be psychologically safe there because you're on the opposite side of this 
Yeah. And by the way, white people, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but we're becoming the minority. So it's going to be exactly real, <laughs> real interesting because you're going to have nobody that it's working for you because you are, there's going to be no white people left. So just, <laughs> let's clue in now. Yeah, um, we are now called the global majority. Yeah. Holy moly. Um, so how can people work with you and what delicious resources would you like <laughs> to tell us about workbooks and fun things for us? I have so many, like you said on my website, so many free things that I, I try to give people listening to, of course, the podcast, as well as <clears throat> I have a 100 Days of Allyship workbook that I really love. That was my favorite one. 100 <laughs> Days of Allyship workbook. It's That's, allyship. I think people need, I'm going to definitely put, I'm going to put all these links, but that was one I was like, ooh, yes. Yeah. So it's basically like a journal of like, what is my goal and how can I get there in the next 100 days and doing um, small tangible steps to get to making the reaching those goals. So that's one um, resource. And then the stop, start, continue. And I really have people start with the start, 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 stop, continue, because it's things that you can start doing right away, um, assessing some things that you might need to stop doing and then give you credit for some of the things that you're already doing that you need to continue. So it's a really easy way to see how you can try to get into the mix of of becoming an ally, continuing on your allyship journey, because it is a lifelong journey. There's never an end, right? There's always going to be something else that we have to kind of fight for out there. So I love this. I love this. Okay. So I'm going to put this in the show notes so people can go and get these amazing resources. And of course, people can hire you, yeah. pay you because you're wonderful <laughs> as well. So we'll put everything there so everybody knows how to find you because you're awesome. Okay. Guess what, Lakeisha? We're on <laughs> to the speed round. It's party time. Oh God. Like, it's, it's the end of the day for Lakeisha. So she is holding on for dear life right now. She's like, it's the end of the day. I am almost there. I got to do this podcast. And then guess what? I'm going to relax. So this is the beginning of the relaxation. This is yes. Easy. Okay. Here we go. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Fill in the blank. I am learning that. I am learning that every day is a new day to really make an impact. I just want to say it's almost every hour for me. I need to, I need to <laughs> remind myself that every hour is a new hour. I can't even wait the day. <laughs> Some of these days are too hard and I need to, I need to just they go are, out. Yeah. yeah, it's a new day. <laughs> yes. When I feel lost, I? I am in my wife's arms. That is my safe oh. spot. That is my safe zone. She can take everything away from me. There we go. <laughs> I mean, I'm in my wife's arms. That is yeah. the sweetest. I love that so much. I am a woman who? who loves people. I just, I love humans, uh, all different backgrounds. I, I love to travel the world. So I'm, I'm one who loves. Where do you love to travel? What's your favorite place you've traveled to? My favorite place was Granada. That oh. was our honeymoon and it was amazing. I'm all over. Like I couldn't imagine my life without, and I think that's also what led me to be in this kind of diversity space. Like I think people who travel really understand that there's people that are different outside of their, their little bubbles that they operate in. And imagine they might be doing things better than we are doing here. Right. <laughs> I am proud of the fact that I, that I'm still here. Yeah. It was a tough road. Yes. So yeah, I mean, I, my God, you had a lot to overcome early on and look at the way you just kicked that ass up and down the street you just were like yeah. refusing never say die you were just right. not gonna go down <laughs> yes right? mental health everybody your mental health matters so i'm happy you're here happy i'm here i'm very happy you're here i always say i love you to my children it's something that i didn't get growing up so i ensure that i tell my kids i love them every phone call every time they walk out the door i love them Oh, I love that. So beautiful. All right. One more. I'm really excited about. 
I'm really excited about the the revamp brand of the Inclusive Lifestyle Lounge. It was like a DEI lounge where we just hung out, but now that it's an inclusive lifestyle lounge, we are focusing on the individual level and how to just everyday live inclusively. And I'm loving the way that it's kind of curating itself. Okay. Well, I have to put that in the show notes too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. I love that whole concept. Okay. Well, we're going to put that in the show notes because that sounds okay. <laughs> All right, Lakeisha, I'm going to let you go and relax, maybe have a cocktail or wine, or if you even do that, but I'm just going to let let you go into your wife's arms. That's what I'm going to let you do right now. So thank you so much for thank being on so this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me today. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Leave me a five-star written review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye, everyone.